I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so for a long time, I've done a, a series called Mailbag with Matt, where when Matt uh, Cavada uh, carpools with me, I get questions from all of you, and I, I need somebody to help me because someone has to read the questions to me. Um, but Matt's not here, but Rachel's here. Hooray. So we're doing what we're going to call this Replies with Rachel. I like it. There's an art thing going on here. <laughs> okay, well, we have to be alliterative. Okay, so here's what's going to work. I asked you guys, I went on Twitter and asked people for questions. I printed up a bunch of questions for Rachel. There's like four pages of questions. Rachel can ask me any question she wants in any order. Um, she has total control of what question she asks, and then I will answer whatever question she asks. That That is how this works. Okay, so Rachel, right. pick the first question. Okay, and I'll start off by apologizing in advance. Like any substitute teacher, I apologize for anything I pronounce wrong. <laughs> oh, okay. Any names, anything I pronounce yes. wrong. Okay, so the first question, Nick Ed. You're as U-R-Z-A-S roommate. Ask, what has been your favorite episode of Drive to Work so far or one you most recommend? Um, well, there's, a, there's two categories of Drive to Work. There's what, what ones I've enjoyed doing most and the ones that I think were like the, the, the best end product. Um, probably the one I'm happiest with, I did a series of 10 Things Every Game Needs, which was a 10-part series, but I really think that turned out good. And so if you're into game design at all, I think that's really good. Um, the personal ones I really enjoy is I had Rachel and I did one and I did one with my mom <laughs> and one with my dad the, the ones where you got to meet members of my family I thought that was a lot of fun um, I also uh, I did a series where I talked about the different years each year what Magic did I think that series is pretty good so anyway those are my highlights I guess okay so the next question Josh Trembles at Ice with an extra E skier asks what was your favorite set to design what was my favorite set to design? Which of my children do I love the most? Um, they were all fun to design. Um, I will say this. Designing Time Spiral Block uh, was a lot of fun because it was us making all these in-jokes about magic. I, I think it was too complex and it, I think it alienated a lot of our audience. Um, but we all got the jokes and I know the franchise audience that got the jokes really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a lot of fun to make just because it was like like, we, we kept saying, oh, can you cross this with that? Um, you know, if you have killer bees and you have bee sting, you know, could you have killer bee sting? You know, stuff like that. Um, I was sad that we never got to make the ghost pirate ship. But um, anyway, uh, I guess Time Spiral was probably the one. I just, Time Spiral Block. I had lots and lots of fun with Time Spiral Block. Okay, so the next question is from Wobbles at Wobbles. Asks, do you ever play test games with your family? Okay, Rachel, do I ever play <laughs> test games with my family? Not that I'm aware of, no. Uh, I've play tested a few of my personal games, but not really. I don't think you played you played uh, one game with, with mom, I remember. The, well, the my, your mom and I play mood swings all yeah, the time. I know and um, I have played... <laughs> we haven't played a lot. We, we, you guys have actually... I don't even remember. You guys, Back when I did um, Mark My Words, you guys played that. Um, what was that game about, though? That's a categories-like game where you take turns covering letters on the alphabet. Oh, I think I remember that one. Yeah, yeah that was, it's a lot younger. That was a while ago. <laughs> anyway, mostly no, mostly my, my, my uh, I mean, we every Friday night we have game night, so the kids do, I do make sure my, my kids play a lot of games, but uh, not my games, usually uh, other people's games. <laughs> okay, so we're, so we're back with another question from Wobbles, is what is the most unique, unique in parentheses quotes, uh, thing ab about you as a parent 
what's the un- what's the most unique thing about me yeah, as a you're parent? Unique is a little, little in, quotes. In quotes. Them. Yeah. How am I different from other parents? I don't know. How, how Rachel? How, how am I different from other parents? Do you have any idea? Having no other. Hmm. I, mean, I don't you, know. I mean, you're a geek, but like a lot of other parents can be. So I I, I don't really know. Trying trying to think. Um. I mean, the, the, the one thing that my kids get a kick out of is, um, uh, like I say, I, I, I'm a big fish in a little pond, so I have this little little bit of celebrity I get, and so from time to time, like, we'll go out somewhere and someone will recognize me, and you guys seem to get a big kick out of that, so that it's happens. Especially when they, like, freak out. Like, one time we had, we went to, like, a, a game place, it was, like, card castle or something, and I went there, and the guy that us was like... Oh my god, it's Mark Rosewater. Oh, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, guys, it's Mark Rosewater, it's Mark Rosewater. And we just start bursting in the laughter because he's like stuttering and freaking out so much that it's just hilarious. Because to us, you're our dad, and to our mom, your husband, so it's like we see you all of the time. And so, like, to other people, it's probably the same thing I said before it's celebrities and like their kids and parents and stuff. So. Yeah, no, it's. Yeah, every once in a blue moon, we'll <laughs> no. be out in, in the middle of public but, somewhere. I mean, but that's if we're gonna yeah. go to the most similar thing you do, it's like the sort of like the white dad thing. Once you wear jorts, like jeans, shorts. I wear jorts. You wear jorts and jeans, shorts. That's so not we unique. I'll advise you not to wear. That's not unique. Well, I'm, I, I will continue to wear my jorts. Similar jorts and the and socks with sandals and sometimes grilling. Like <laughs> combine all three of that together, you get the average American white dad. That's like the internet thing. But the question was, what's unique about me? Not now, how am I like others? No, I'm saying that's that's a, that's a, one of the few things I feel like others. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, think the most unique, unique thing about me probably is the fact that I have a little bit of celebrity means every once in a while we'll be out somewhere and people will come up and approach me and, like I said, my kids and seem the, to... the fact you're able to, like, ask questions and I guess people will, like, reply really fast, like the the um, monkey butler flying carpet thing that you talked oh, about. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, what will happen, this will happen, this is unique, is <laughs> we'll have an argument in my family. Like, one day we were... At Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, we were at Outback Steakhouse, and they had this little video game you could play, and you were answering questions, and you're trying to pick. Yeah, you're trying to pick what most people would say, and the question was, would you rather have a flying carpet or a monkey butler? (laughs) And so there was a big argument, and I said, "Oh, flying carpet would win," and there was a big argument, and I said, "Okay, let's let's settle this." So I I got on my Twitter and I asked, "What would you like?" And you know, 24 hours later, (laughs) 3,000 people chimed in. And agreed with me that the flying carpet would rank higher than the monkey butler. Um, but anyway, not a lot of parents have the ability to, to, to say, let's ask 3,000 random people. Well, not random, but let's ask 3,000 people what they think about this. So, Okay, what's the it's, next question? It's good to settle arguments. Oh, look at this. we got traffic. You guys might get extra questions today. Okay. Ooh. It's a lot of traffic. Okay, so from Arclegger at Arclegger, if there was one person you could have lunch with from any era, who would it be and why? There's one person I got lunch with from any era. Are you talking, is this like a magic thing? Like any magic era? Or no, like no, no, no. But what era? he means is, if I take any famous person throughout all of history... Ooh, that's cool. And my, I guess my assumption is I can communicate with them. So, um, that's nice. Who, who would I have lunch with? So someone that I think would be... I, I'd be fascinated to have lunch with is Shakespeare. That'd be cool. I think Shakespeare would be pretty cool. I, I think... <laughs> assuming we could communicate... I mean, That'd be um, good. Like, uh, every time I read Shakespeare for Victorian era, I always have to look up online because I never quite know what Shakespeare says. Right. Well, the funny thing is people think of Shakespeare as being very fancy, and what they don't realize is in his day, he was anything but fancy. Like, he was he was a playwright that wrote to the lowest common denominator. So, anyway, it's, anyway I, I, I'm, I've done a little bit of research on Shakespeare. I find Shakespeare very interesting. I would love to... I will pick Shakespeare. Who would you like? You could talk to any person throughout history like? for lunch. Who I'm, would you like well, to... I'm just trying to think of another thing. How did Shakespeare die? Died of disease. I mean, he was. He, uh, he got sick and died. I think. Uh, I'm trying to think. Any era. 
Hmm. Anybody? Who would you want to talk to? I mean, they can be alive today, by the way. They don't have to. They don't have to be a dead person. I know. I know. I know. But just, I mean, it's kind of. It's kind of cool. He's like Fall Out Boy. Let's have lunch with Fall Out Boy. Yes. <laughs> That'd be very obvious. One. I'm trying to think of an actual. So if Fall Out Boy is listening. My daughter would love to have lunch with you guys. Yes, today. that is. I don't, I don't think they're magic fans, but just a slim, tiny case of are. A slim, tiny thing. Uh, no, but yes, any any bands enjoy the Fall Out Boy, apparently get the disco. Violence. My come growing is already broken up. Sad. Okay. Uh, well, how about but think, era. You can talk to anybody. No, 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 no. I'm trying to think of like a good like era point. A good era. It's <laughs> like a good era. I don't know. I feel I feel like Greek would be like. Okay, really ancient cool. Greece. Who, who in ancient Greece like to talk I to? I don't know. I remember one time I did like a skit about like Socrates and Plato and. I think Socrates is fascinating to talk to. And no, because what I remember about the skit was because I remember Socrates. I think I think he died because he drank a poison. They're like, you drink this poison and walk around till your legs are numb when you can't walk anymore. Physically. Well, I mean, he was forced to drink the poison. I know, but I remember doing a play about this, and then I was like Plato, and then there was you, 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 you something, and it's it, 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 it like this guy like Plato goes to, and instead of hugging because the guy was like so awkward with it, we just high fived, and that's all I remember about the skit. So yeah, I, I feel like I feel like Socrates might <laughs> be a good idea. Nah. You want to talk to him before he drink the hemlock, but I, Socrates I know, would be fascinating. Yeah. Socrates think, would be fascinating. I think that'd be cool. But then again, like, I don't, I don't know, because every time I read, like, really, it's like language stuff and just barriers. But I, I, feel, I feel like if it's, like, modern The question day assumes English, you could talk to them, obviously. If it was more, like, modern-day English and, like, my yes. kind of language. Let's assume yeah. there's a translator or whatever. You could talk yeah, to them. Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay, so ne- next, next question. Okay, um... Oberon at Oberon underscore MTG asks, what's one thing I can do to better balance work and family? To better balance work and family? Um, see, I get, see you, I have you do the questions. Also, I'm getting family questions. Um, yeah. I, I, mean, make, I, I make the questions here. Right. <laughs> I, I think the big thing that I would say is that priority setting is really important of saying of knowing what you're doing when and making sure that when you have family time, you're, you're spending it on family and not on work. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, there's a famous saying that, you know, at the at the end of your days when you're lying on your deathbed, no one's going to say, oh, I wish I worked a little more. So, you know, not not that you shouldn't, work's important. I obviously spend a lot of time on my work, but um, make sure you, you, you prioritize spending time with your family. And also like trips and stuff, because like you go on like a few like very important big trips for you, because like when you were with mom, whatever, like before you had all of us. Well, I used to go on a lot of trips. Smaller trips. Yeah, yeah. so like you had a whole bunch of smaller trips. But now it's like you just go on like the bigger trips. And even when you did go on like super big trips, like we went to Disneyland to speak, like instead of like all this money, like you brought us on a vacation, and that was really cool. So. Right. Well, I mean, one it's, of the it's, things. It's, it's a mixture. Yeah, I mean, I used to do a lot of travel for work. And then once the kids came along, I cut way, way back. I only traveled like twice a year now. <laughs> where, I mean, like when I first, when Laura and I first got together, I was traveling, you know, 14 times a year or something. So. Okay. Okay, next question. Uh, okay, I'll put in a magic one. Okay, okay. Who, who, a, ma- a, magic a magic question. <laughs> I'm sorry you do family questions, okay? Okay. I like hearing all this. Logan Ambinder at Logan Ams asks, how have innovations in everyday technology impacted the way magic is designed as opposed to 20 years ago? And a little thanks. Okay, so how, I mean, I think the biggest... You're big- welcome, Logan. <laughs> okay, I think the biggest... You're welcome, Logan. I think the biggest change... So when Richard first made the idea of magic, he really had this idea that the only way to explore the game would be through playing the game. And the idea would be, like, when I go to play a new player, ooh, I'll experience things I've never experienced before. Um, And I think the reason he thought that is the Internet really was in its infancy. And the idea that information, like, the 
the existence of the internet has changed how information is spread, and I believe that's fundamentally changed how the game has functioned, and that when the game began, the idea was that the game was the only center by which you'd learn things, and now with the way communication works, um, that is not, and so we've adapted to the internet, meaning I think when the game began, it was trying to be something different, and it's changed over time to say, okay, people are going to share information, how do you make use of that, how do you, how do you make the game involved in that, make that part of the game, and so I think a lot of the community building and a lot of the stuff that we've worked with in Magic has been us sort of leaning into the technology. I mean, for example, I do a podcast that, you know, that, that didn't, when, when Magic first started, when I first started at Wizards, for example, there was no such things as podcasting, really, um, and, but podcasting is a popular means by which to communicate with people. Okay, I started a podcast, you know, and I, I think we've done a lot to embrace uh, social media and to try to interact with our audience in a when way. When do you, like, get all this? Like, when do you start a podcast and when do you, like, first get an Instagram and a Twitter? Like, when did that all, like, kind of start up? Um, well, what happened essentially is um, the first social media I did... Well, I used to do stuff way back on the Usenet, which you have no idea what I'm talking about, but no. way back when, uh, back the, internet, the internet was like a bulletin, <laughs> bulletin board. Do you know what bulletin boards are? No. No. Well, the way you want to communicate was you had to go to a place to communicate that were, it was all text. And, oh, like a chat room? Uh, kind of like a very here? slow chat room. Uh, uh, I'm trying here. I'm reaching. <laughs> uh, there wasn't, it wasn't instantaneous, but like oh, I would okay. post something and anybody could see what I posted, then they could post something. Um, and so that's where we started. So Facebook. Well, pre- like a slower Facebook. Pre Facebook, yes. <laughs> pre Facebook. Um, and then when social media started up, like I, we used to, I used to get a lot of email. There's a period of time where, like, I, I would, we'd have a magazine, and I'd write stuff in the magazine, and people would would write to me. We had a magazine way back nice. when. Yes, called the Duelist. That's one of the Why first things I did. Why end the magazine? Or is it still going? Why do we end the magazine? Because magazines are not as efficient as websites, basically. Ah, that makes sense. Um, like a blog. You, you have blogs. Well, that. I eventually started a blog. See, when I started Wizards, when I started Wizards, none of the stuff you're talking about existed. So, <laughs> uh, but I mean, along the way, yes, I have a blog. Yes, I started writing a, uh, and you a internet doing, column. You tried doing a. You tried doing vine. How many vines have you made? I've only made. I think I have three vines. Only two which are even magic Ooh, and related. Snapchat. Start a Snapchat. Do you I, know what a Snapchat is? I know a Snapchat. I right, right now I am on Twitter, Tumblr. Google Plus and Instagram. Um, There's always a new social media platform. Yeah. So anyway, stay updated here. I, I've looked at some others. <laughs> I, I might do Snapchat. I mean, I, I got to figure out. You think Snapchat's my next way to go? That where kids Snapchat, are. You think Snapchat's probably your way to go? So I, I went on Instagram. That, that, that's uh, Instagram's a good one. Yeah. So okay. There's a lot of. Rights. What's the next question? Okay, we have Magma Priest at Edbert37 has uh, two questions. The first okay. one is, what individual card are you proud of? What individual card am I proud of? Um, there's a lot of answers I could give there. I'm proud of a lot of cards. Uh, I think the one that I will say is Doubling Season, which I made in original Ravnica. Um, it's just a card that I sort of... I, the funny thing about Doubling Season was I didn't make Doubling Season for anybody but myself, really. I just It's the kind of card that I really, really liked. Um, but the funny thing is, like... It turns out the thing I really wanted to make for myself, a lot of people wanted. And so I'm kind of proud of sort of how that card's evolved and just become this really beloved card. Um, probably, okay, my, my second answer is Mind Slaver. I was very proud of Mind It took me forever to get it made. I tried to make it in Tempest and it didn't actually get made to Mirrodin. But uh, the idea of taking over someone else's turn I thought was really cool. 
Okay, those are okay. my two, two answers. Double right. season and mind flicker. And that repeats the second question, which is, what question slash questions are you tired of answering? Th- that one. No, just kidding. That one. Uh, uh, exact question. Uh, when I get interviewed, people, I, I, ironically. Like, like it, basic questions. The funny, he asked the card question. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, one of the most common questions people ask me is, what is my favorite card and what is my favorite color? In fact, I'm sure later on someone will ask me what their color is. That could contradict themselves. I mean... Maybe. Those are just the questions I get asked all the time. Yeah. So, there's another question from Travis DeHarsh at T underscore DeHarsh1, which is, what's your favorite colorless card? Which, if you want to answer that, just to, like, get it out there. What's my favorite colorless card? Colorless card. I don't know if it's a basic question or not. Uh, well, let, we'll get to that in a second. Let me finish out this first one. So, I, I don't mind any questions. The questions I get most... There's questions I get asked all the time. Like, what's my favorite color is a tricky one because I like all the colors. Mm-hmm. There's no really color I like more than other colors. There's colors I, you know, uh, ethos-wise connect more to. I'm, I'm more blue-red. Black's kind of fun just because black is just death. And when you're fighting, you're like, yes, just evil. I mean, it's fun. I like actually, making black Actually, that's cards. what the older kids did. We just, like, on the Tech Kids to Work do, we just made this yeah. really gigantic, evil zombie griffin because we all just wanted death and destruction. Yeah, well, the younger kids made a giant dragon, but... I don't think that matches up with zombie griffin, though. Like, no, maybe a griffin, but not a correct. zombie no, They made a big blue dragon. You guys made a black griffin. But anyway, yes. The, the interesting thing is you guys both made giant flying creatures yes. that had way, lots of value and real expensive. Kids just want destruction. Kids want big creatures. Yes. So... <laughs> Okay, but anyway, so I think the questions I'm most bored of are the ones I get asked all the time, and I think the number one question is, what's your favorite color? That's the one I'll pick. Okay. Okay, next. What's your favorite colorless card? Again, from What's my favorite colorless card? Um, now, the, the question is, do they mean anything that's colorless, or do they mean a true, like a, what we call true colorless? Anything that's colorless, my I favorite card. I don't even need to find it here. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, there's a lot of artifacts that I like a lot. Um, uh... Like, there's a card I made in um, Unglued called Giant Fan that I always just... I mean, we, we made in Mir- original Mirrodin, I forget the name of it. We is, made a... What is Giant Fan? Giant Fan, Fan it just moves counters from cards to other cards, and whatever the new card is becomes those kind of counters. Okay. It's just a super giant card that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as true colorless, um, I don't know, I, I like the Titans. Um, I think that um, original Emrakul is pretty cool. Pretty Emra cool. Mm-hmm. So I'll choose uh, Emra cool and Giant Fan. Those are my answers. Okay. F- final answer. Okay. Go <laughs> ahead. Okay, so David Kuder, K U D E R at Dakuder, asks I had a professor define engineering as research meets economics. Does economics factor in design in design of magic? Oh, yes, all the time. <laughs> um, I mean, one of the things to be aware of is we're a trading card game, um, we have rarities. Like, you know, I talk all the time about as fan. I mean... Is it sort of like what people are, like, willing to pay or willing to, like, find or something with that? Like, no, I mean, what, like, what, what, one of the things, for example, with rarities is certain cards show up in packs more than other cards. Yeah. And one of the things about doing design is it matters whether something is common or uncommon or rare or mythic rare. Like, it matters. And so, you know, the there's a lot of factors in how we make magic and what our business model... Like, how we produce the game is forever entwined with what the game is and how we make the game. Those are very what's been, interlinked. What's been, like the, what's been like the most rare card? That was like the Black Lotus. Or is that like well, I mean, the rarest... Card? We've made cards for special purposes that only exist in small number. And there's there's like things that were misprints. Like there's a... We had a set... We tried to do a printing of a set, which we 
codename Edgar, that we decided we didn't want to put it out, and we so we didn't put it out. But a little tiny bit of like 40 boxes got out, and one of our misprints in it was a blue hurricane. Well, that means there's really, really few of these blue hurricanes. So that's a really valuable, you know, rare, rare card. It's very sought after. You named you named us an Edgar. Edgar was a code name. So. Oh. Okay. Next question. Okay. Uh, I'll take a look at some more questions. All right. I think I'm gonna go with uh, Ben Spring. That I am Ben Summers. Okay. Ask what is your favorite card game with a classic 52 card deck? I play a lot of these games. Like. Okay. My favorite. I <laughs> um. I, I'm a tie. Um, I will say either Gin Rummy or Cribbage. Um, the reason, both of those, I had long games that I would play. Like, um, my roommate in college, uh, a guy named Tony. Um, Tony and I used to play Cribbage all the time. And so I, he taught me how to play. And I have a lot of fond memories, for example, of just, he, we used to keep an ongoing score. And so, I mean, we played for years. And um, so I, he taught me, I love Cribbage. And then I had another friend that I used to play Gin Rummy with. Uh, I, I taught Rachel Gin Rummy. Yeah. You, I taught you cribbage. I think I taught you cribbage. You haven't taught me cribbage, but I do remember you did teach me gin rummy, and then I played that with my partner in science class in eighth grade. And the teacher was like, "As long as you keep your grades up, you can keep playing cards in class." And we both got A's. So. Well, that's good. Okay. We, I think I think we won that round. <laughs> yes, but uh, yeah, those are my. I mean, there's a lot of games. I mean, uh, Richard Garfield loved teaching people all sorts of new card games. So uh, there was a popular game we played it in R and D for a while called Skit Gooba, which is a game with like more rules than you could possibly imagine and then whoever lost the game there wasn't a winner it was just a loser the loser had to make a goat noise that's what happened when you lost okay that's weird okay. No, there's a lot of different card games yeah blackjack is like a very simple card game if you want to teach someone so is garbage there's also a game called slap slap to dips and rat screw slap slash sandwich which is a fun game but if you have like really like like you have to like fast hands and long nails kind of helps but also that's very difficult because you're trying to slap down the deck and there's been a lot of injuries playing that game so far I, I didn't know there was a card game in which long nails would help you so that's, that's good yeah because you have to slap it down so it, I mean it's difficult and a, a good trick for anyone listening if anyone ever asks you to play 52 card pickup refuse them say no <laughs> they will throw the pickup card it's at a you. trick it's a trap okay don't play 52 card pickup next question last, last rule okay um Brian Sainio, S-A-I-N-I-O, copyright. Okay. And Ryan Sainio asks, what trope do you wish you could have fit into either Innistrad block? Um, let's see. Uh, we, we did a lot of card, like, I mean, we fit a lot in. So Innistrad was gothic horror, so we were doing a lot of um, horror archetypes. Um, I don't know. Uh... I think of what we did, we didn't do that we wanted to do. Um, we we had joked around with trying to do something that was more slasher filmy, like you know, like a, a Freddy or a um, like Freddy Krueger or like Freddy like Freddy, J- like Freddy, Fre- like like Freddy Krueger, like Freddy no. Krueger, or like Jason from Friday the Thirteenth. Like, yeah, sort, sort of like a, a sort of a faceless slasher. We ended up not doing like that. Yeah, sort of. It, just, it ended up being um, a little too modern for it, but. Uh, we, we, we experimented with a lot of different like we went we, we literally at one point went through horror films and like what are all the tropes from horror films um tiny dolls <laughs> but uh we did creepy dolls really creepy twins yeah we did well there's twins in uh, Shadows of Innistrad had twins so yeah. we've had a lot of but like creepy twins like in unison they were creepy yeah no, they were creepy nice. they were creepy nice. they, were, they were identical creepy twins <laughs> 
Okay, next question. Okay, uh, this is Brian Dale at Jay Tempkin asked, will magic ever change the card back? What is the card? Well, what they're saying is, okay, magic, the back of the magic card has never changed. Oh. But a lot has changed since the, when the game first began, we've since changed the logo. The logo is now yellow, not blue. Um, it, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things about the back of the card that aren't true anymore. Oh, and, when they say, oh, I thought they meant to change the card back, as in, like, change it from, like, the new one to the original. They meant, like, the no, actual they, back of the we've card. we've never changed the back of the card. Uh, Someone says you can ever update the back of the card. That's a big debate in R&D. Um... There are a few people, uh, Mark Loeb is probably being the biggest cheerleader of changing the back, but there's a few people that really, really feel like, look, this is the biggest sort of, um, this is the most in people's faces. Like, why don't we have the correct things? Why do we have an old, outdated um, uh, logo when we have a much better, newer logo? Um, But anyway, so far, the majority of R&D has felt like the, the consistency of the back is the most important thing. So we haven't changed it. Um, on Magic Online, the back is different. All the cards have the same back, but have the updated back, not the old back. Have you ever, ever noticed? <laughs> um, anyway, I, it's a fight we have. I, I currently don't see us changing the back, but, it, you know, over the years, maybe if we slowly change, enough people change opinion. But right now, no, I, I don't see us changing the back. Okay. Casey Lowe at Snowdew uh, said, It sounds like the original Innistar was your baby. How did it feel to not be the lead on the sequel? Um, well, be aware, I did the original Ravnica, and I was not the lead for Return to Ravnica, although I did, I did co-lead Gatecrash. Um, it's part of, of working with the team that, you know, we're going to go back and revisit Worlds, and I'm not going to do every one, and so, um, I mean, Mark Gottlieb was the one who led the design. I trust Mark Gottlieb. You know, he and I worked together a long, long time. I had faith in him, and I, I was also, I was on the design team. It wasn't like I wasn't anywhere near there. So not only am I head designer and I was I was on the design team. So I mean I I kept an eye on it. I made sure that my baby wasn't uh, was, was, was taken care of. But it, <laughs> so, so it's kind of like like the, like, with, like the babysitter, like the nanny, but you're still kind of yeah, like, yeah, watching through the window. I, I left it with a babysitter, but I I, I, I did a <laughs> thorough investigation, make sure it's a good babysitter. Okay, okay, next question. Uh, I like the name here. I'm trying to figure out how to pronounce it. Lylanthia. L y l a n t. H-I-A Sunseeker Atlantia as what is your favorite non-human fantasy race? What is my favorite non-human fantasy race? Yes. So I assume that by non-human they mean non-humanoid I think. Um, like, like fairy trolls sort of stuff it's like kind of like humans but like not like humans. Yeah I'm, I'm, not, I'm not I mean I don't know whether they mean anything but humans or anything but humanoid things. Um, I think there's nothing that's like not like a human so, I mean, just like, it could be looking like a human. Just like yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I... Hey, you can answer both, you know. I mean, uh... The, the two races that I personally have the most attachment to are zombies and oozes for some reason. What are oozes? Oozes are like green slimes or like, um... Like so, kind of like the guy from like Ghostbusters or, or something. Uh, an ooze basically is... Imagine a, a, a giant jello mold that ate things. You mean the blob? Yeah, like the blob. The blob's you an ooze. Anyway, and usually oozes eat things and get bigger. That's what, like, the blob is an ooze. Yeah. Um, I, for some reason, I like oozes. I don't know why, but, uh... It, it looks fun. It's um, kind of, like, it has no mind. I mean, just goblins are fun. I like, kind of mean. I like goblins. <laughs> I like, um... I, I think Gorgon. I like Gorgons. Like, Medusa I like Gorgons. I like... I don't know. There's lots of, lots of fantasy things that are fun. Okay, so we have... 
Okay, who's next? Let's see. Alright, so Multicultural Shane at X Culture Shane asks, how do you interact with the story writers in the early stage of a set, and how do you deal with story and character beats? Okay, so the way it works is, um, the very first thing that happens is they do what's called exploratory world building. So before I even start any of my design, they spend a little bit of time figuring out, well, actually, I go back before that. When we do planning of future sets, I and Aaron, uh, Aaron Forsyth, who's the head of, uh, the director of Art Magic R&D, um, a senior director, uh, Jeremy Jarvis, who's, uh, oversees the, all the creative team, um, some of the story people like Jenna and Doug, a bunch of us will go away and we'll sort of figure out the beats of what we want of the larger sort of story arc and we'll sort of break down the larger things. Then once we come to agreement there, then when we begin, there's exploratory world building. So like, for example, like, Exploratory world building will be like, we know we're doing Shadows of Innistrad, uh, and we have a loose, loose idea what it is, but they'll they'll map out what the major story things they want to do. Then they come to me, and I start exploratory design, and then we go back and forth between us. So a lot of trying to do this early design is working with the creative team. Uh, usually exploratory design has a creative team member on it, and then my design team has a creative team member on it. And so there's a lot of give and take and back and forth to make sure that we're matching what they're trying to do. Um... Usually, um, the story, uh, the plot, the um, pivotal events, if you will, happen after. Those are cemented usually after a handover design. It, it, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. If they're done by the time I need to do them, I do them. But a lot of times those are done in development. Um, but anyway, the answer is a lot of back and forth. Okay. Now you have Jeremy Bort at B O R D T at, Sil- at Silverthorn. That's a Silverthorn there for a second. Uh, what set slash plane has gotten the worst feedback in the last 10 years? Okay, the last 10 years. Um, well, ever since we started doing research, like market research, um, the world that did the worst, and it did the worst by a significant margin, was Kamigawa. Kamigawa did really poorly in our market research. When um, that, that might be more than 10 years ago, though. Uh, I mean, Kamigawa is like years ago is it it's I, I think I think it might be slightly more than 10 years uh, of recent sets Lorwyn tested poorly um, which I know saddens a lot of people because Lorwyn has a lot of fans but Lorwyn test oh the last 10 years I guess Lorwyn Lorwyn or Kamigawa Kamigawa if it's, with, if it's within 10 years but I don't think it is so Lorwyn I know it's within 10 years so Kamigawa and Lorwyn are, are the lowest testing and Kamigawa tested worse okay. than Lorwyn Okay, so Neuromancer at Ducky Vera asks, when can we expect you to revisit an already revisited plane? Ah, so when are we going to go back? I assume they, uh... Well, I mean, Dominaria we've revisited multiple times, but beyond Dominaria, um... Well, we've revisited Ravnica now, Mirrodin, and Innistrad a second time. Um, oh, and, and Zendikar. Um... I assume we will go back to some of those th- things I just mentioned. Um, what's the question? How soon? What's the question, question. exactly? I gotta look back and try to find the next question. Uh, what was the question about how soon? Is it when can we expect you to revisit? Oh, yeah. When can we expect? Um, I believe we will do a, vis- uh, uh, a third visit or a second revisit. Um, it'll happen in the not-too-distant future, is my guess. I mean, it'll happen um, in the next five years, is my guess. Five to seven years is my guess. So. Okay. I like this question. It's just, it, it, it gets very dark and meaty and stuff. 
Brooke Gardner dash Durbin at the BG underscore D asks, do you think about what could kill magic? Is there a list somewhere in R&D potentials? What's on it? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. If you open the safe inside, it's here are the things flop, that could actually kill flop, magic. Un- Unwelled. <laughs> um, I think the biggest danger to magic is actually complexity. I believe that one of the things that R&D has to work all the time is because we have a game that keeps evolving and moving on, there's so much desire to just keep adding things to it. Uh, and that one of the things, I always talk about this, that magic's greatest weakness is what I call barrier to entry, which is, look, the person who's, who doesn't know how to play knows nothing. And the harder the game gets, the harder it is to get new players to learn. So obviously we've done a, a lot in the last 10 years, like New World Order and trying to get new intro products. And we've been doing a lot of things, you know, magic duels and a lot of different things to try to help make it easier for new people to learn how to play. But I actually think that's the most dangerous thing to magic is complexity. Um, I think magic's greatest weakness is nerf. <laughs> is what? Nerf. Nerf mode. <laughs> Rachel's joking that uh, we're the number two largest brand in Hasbro, and the number one largest brand is nerf. 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 So, we're coming for you, nerf. So, okay. We like joking about that in our family. Well, the, the, the sad thing is my, my son loves nerf, so I'm, I, I'm helping out yeah. nerf. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, this is Jessica J-E-S-K-A-I Angel at Jessica Angel. Je- Jessica is uh, from Magic. It's a magic pick. Um, so Jessica Angel at... At Jessica Angel asks, how has the flavor of Shadows Over Innistrad done in market research compared to the original Innistrad? Done very well. Um, basically what we did is we said, okay, we're going back to gothic horror world, but we're going to shift up the kind of, like, we're doing a little more cosmic horror than traditional gothic horror. Um, but the audience loves it. So, um... You know, the recent question talked about, like, are you going to go back to Worlds for a third time? Uh, I can't tell you when we're going back to Innistrad for a third time, but I guarantee you we will eventually go back to Innistrad. Um, Innistrad and Ravnica have pro- both proven to be really, really popular worlds. Um, I do think we'll go back to Zendikar. Um, I think someday we'll get back to uh, Dominaria. Um, there are plenty of places we will visit more than twice. Go ahead. Okay. Fallen Style and Inn is in parentheses. At Sam Biggs Boy Hero asks, are there any people at Wizards who don't play Magic that you wish that they did? Um, well, one of the things about Wizards which is interesting is most people really try to learn Magic. Anybody who works on Magic, there, there's a big push to try to make sure that everybody plays Magic to some extent. Now, there's a big difference between you kind of technically know how to play versus you really enjoy playing. Although our employee pre-releases, each time, we keep breaking records for how many employees show up at the employee pre-release. Um... Back in the day, when I go back to when I first started at Magic, um, you know, there, very few people outside of R&D were Magic players, and that is so not true anymore. Every section of the company really has people that are very much into playing Magic. That is the, one of the big changes. Um, are there people who don't play that should play? Yeah, a handful, but there's nobody I can name by name. All the people I can think of that really need to play do know how to play, so. All right. Niche Grayson, it's Nick or Okay. N-I-C-K. It's in three parentheses. N-I-C-K is Nick. Yeah, Nick Grayson is okay. in like three parentheses. Okay. At W-U-B-R-G asks, based on all your social media engagement, what what type of thing do Magic players seem to most want to share with you? Um, okay, well, I interact with a lot of players. Um, I, I think a couple things. I mean, A, uh, players love to share sort of like 
cool things they did while playing or cool things they've done while building their deck. So there's a lot of like, I did a neat thing with magic, let me tell you. Um, but the other big thing I get a lot of are people in which magic really had a profound effect on them in some way and impacted their life. And I get all sorts of letters from people that are just talking about what magic means to them, which is, means a lot to me because, you know, one of the things that's nice... One of the perks of doing what I do is I get to hear from the people who use what I make. Um, not everybody who makes things gets to hear from their from their consumer base, and I do. Um, and that's really cool. So I think the biggest thing, people really like to share how magic affects them, both things they do within the game and things they do outside the game. So that's my answer. All right. So Caitlin Gigante, G-I-G-A-N-T-E, mm-hmm. hope I pronounced that right, at Silicery asks, which head-to-head round surprised you the most? Okay, so head-to-head is a thing I do on Twitter where I have people vote on categories. Um, oh, yeah. I'm... The ones that have actually been the most surprising have been the Planeswalker ones that, uh, th- there have been more upsets with the Planeswalker ones than there have been with anything else. Um, what I've discovered is whenever I have people vote on things that are mechanical, they tend to lean toward the more powerful thing. Like, if I do a card head-by-head, the more powerful card most of the time will win. Um, But when I go with characters, it's a little more like what characters people like. It's a little less about the cards and a little more about, like, the characters themselves. So, there have been some more upsets with characters. I think that's, yeah, I I think the character ones have been the most surprising to me. Okay, Tommy G had Pandamanina. It's a long thing. Okay. Is there a trick to designing simple cards that feel really good to cast without making them grossly overpowered? Um, yeah, well, one of the things that people ask me is, what's the hardest thing to make in Magic? And the answer is simple commons. Uh, people always think, like, the hard, complicated rares are the hard thing to make. No, not really. What's hard to make is a really nice, simple, elegant card that, like, does something that's neat and interesting, but it's easy to understand. Um, and one of the things you're proudest of is when you make a nice, clean, simple, elegant card as a designer, you feel so good about yourself. Um, are there any tricks? The trick I will say is when you're trying to make common cards, have it do one thing. Figure out what you want to do and have it do one thing. And something that is relevant and clear and clean and will impact what you're doing. Um, the best common cards with any one set are, here's a neat, clean, simple idea that I can't normally do that only makes sense in this set, but it has a lot of value in this set. That's that's some of the cleanest um, commons. Are just It's very relevant to what this set is doing. Okay, so Sean Neal at Neal underscore down underscore before underscore me, which okay. I, I enjoy that name, so perhaps to you, Sean Neal. Okay. Is there a storm scale equivalent for creature types? Where would squirrels be on the scale? <laughs> yeah, people, ever since they made the storm scale, so the storm scale talks about how likely the mechanics to come back to a standard legal set. Um, people keep wanting to make other scales. Like, people want to make a plane scale and a creature type scale. Um, Where would squirrels be on the set? I'm, I'm kind of interested. Well, what happened is the creative team just doesn't really want to do... They, they, they feel the squirrels are a little too silly, and so they don't do them in blackboarded magic. Um... I disagree with that. I think I think <laughs> I think there's a place for squirrels, um, but in your opinion, in my opinion, really I'm pro squirrel. I'm very pro squirrel. Um, <laughs> to be fair, I mean to be fair to the creative team, they do a lot of whimsical, fun, cute things. It's not like they don't do that. They just whatever from a line they've drawn, squirrels is on the other side of a line. Um, but uh, I the reason I don't do like a creature type scale is only like it's really more outside my realm. So um, I haven't done that. Although squirrels. 
I mean, if, if, if there was such a scale, it might be the squirrel scale, because I think squirrels are 10. They don't seem to want to do squirrels. Okay. Shivam B. This is S H I V A M. Shivam Bot. I think it's Bot. The H is silent. Okay, I'm trying here. At Electrotol, ask what is your least favorite mechanic? Um, the mechanic that I believe was the biggest waste of ink uh, is probably this mechanic <laughs> called Bands with Others. <laughs> so there's a, the magic first started, Richard made a mechanic called Banding, which was a very cool mechanic, but complex. We had to get rid of it because no one understood how to play or almost no one understood how to play it. Um, uh, in Legends, they made a, a, a riff off it called Bands with Others, which, so it took a mechanic that was already complicated, and it added nothing of value to it. Like, it is really a waste of a mechanic. Like, I, I like band, I like banding. I think banding is too complicated. But at least banding, when you understood it, did do interesting things. Bands with other is a complete waste. Okay. So bands with other is my answer. All right. John Wells at J Wiley one two nine asks, "What was the biggest lesson you learned from Theros Block?" My biggest lesson of Theros Block. Um, I think the biggest lesson is. We had never really done an Enchantment Matters block, and I wanted to use Enchantments as part of Theros, and I think that I I was a little naive in assuming that I could say to players, look, I know you want an Enchantment Matters block, but this block isn't... Yeah, yeah, it's going to have Enchantments, but it's not going to be Enchantment Matters. Um, I just... Sometimes when you do something, the players so badly want something that you have to sort of hold back from using it till it, you've done the first thing. Um, yeah, I, 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 that was a big lesson of Theros is. I really felt like, yeah, I know you want us to do this, but that doesn't fit what we're... Like, it wasn't an enchantment block as much as it was a Greek mythology block. Um, but I, I don't know. I overestimated the audience is willing to go, well, this is what I want, but I'll, I'll settle for something different. And uh, we were not able to overcome that. And I, I mean, we did put an enchantment matters thing at the end of the set. Um, so the block had some of that, but not enough, not soon enough. Okay, next... Okay. S Q U O I B S M C B O I B S like Squibboys Miboids as Dr. Schmobles as tricky name. Isn't it trickier to put more emphasis on storytelling while reducing blocks to two sets? Beginning, middle, and end not more sensible? Yeah, my answer to that is if you look at theater, um, it's very, very common theater to do two-act plays, where you have one act, you have an intermission, you have a second act. Guess what? Two-act plays still have three acts in them as far as story structure-wise. There's a three components to them. Just because you break your story into something other than three doesn't mean there aren't three acts to the story. So yes, I understand now we're telling them in two pieces rather than three, but it is not as if storytelling throughout time has not told stories in chunks of, of two. You still have three-act structure built within it. You're still telling the same kind of story. So, no, it, it's not a problem. In fact, I think us telling stories quicker is better for us. You know, I, I think drawing our story for a whole year is not as compelling as telling it in half a year and then being able to move on and do the next story. So I actually think our, our shift to the two-block model has increased and helped our storytelling. Okay. Not made it worse. So we have one last quick question. Okay, one last quick, before, quick question. Before, before we end, so thank yeah, you to okay. everyone who gave in questions. Okay, what's the last Wes question? Westlow at ULAS, Y-E-W-L-A-S, asks, what's the interesting thing about working at Wizards that most people don't know? What's the interesting thing about working at Wizards that most people don't know? Um, I think the people, 
I mean, I, I one of the things is I get to work with really cool people that are real, like, for example, I think growing up that like you always try to find the people you want to hang with to be friends with, and like the fact that the people that I would want to hang with are the people I work with every day is really cool. I mean, they're a, especially in R and D, they're a really smart group. Uh, but I'm not even just talking about R and D though; it's just a really cool group of people. Like one of my favorite things about Wizards is how much fun it is to work with the people I work with. That's the same thing at my school. It's kind of like this whole thing of like we're all weird, and so it's like we don't fit anywhere, but that's the entire reason why we belong together. Okay, but anyway, so we had a little extra drive today because of the traffic, so I hope you guys got extra thing. So thank you, Rachel, for our first ever uh, replies with Rachel. You're welcome. But anyway, we're now at Rachel's school, which means this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. And for me to go to school. <laughs> I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.